0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Afterword, I'm Dave Tisch. The Afterwards, our weekly conversation and podcast where we talk about what we didn't get to talk about in the previous week's message. This week, I want you to go in the Wayback Machine, and I want you to think about the very first time that you ever experienced the power of music. I'm talking, you heard a song that was so good, that was so powerful, that was so beautiful, that was so overwhelmingly awesome that you just stood transfixed, or you got up and danced, and it just captivated you. I know for me, I was five or six years old. My parents and I were walking through the Dayton Mall where I was from, Dayton, Ohio, and we were walking through Sears and they had an audiovisual department and on the stereo system was playing the song Let's Go Crazy by Prince. And I remember thinking, I don't know what this is, but I have never heard anything more awesome in my entire life.
1: i let the break us down
0: maybe you had a similar experience with the song that just made you come alive this week we're going to talk about the power of music and not just the power of music to move us or to get excited or to listen to awesome songs but also the power of music to actually help us heal and rehearse theologically important truths about god this week Jake kim stops by to talk about the power of music and how it helps us remember god Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. Uh, here with my buddy, Jay Kim. What's up, man? Hey. So, before we get into the serious topic of this week, yeah. this week was kind of about songs. Yeah, It's about music. It's about singing. It's about yes. that. I need to know, what was the first song you remember as a kid? Loving. Like, coming out when it came on the radio or when you heard it coming out of a CD player or whatever technology existed when you were little. What was the first song that you were like, I? or one of the first songs that you like, I love the song. Maybe you danced around the room, maybe you jumped on your bed. You were just so excited to hear it.
1: Well, you know my personality. I do. You probably weren't jumping on the bed. It was probably, I grew up in the church, so it was probably Amy Grant's El Shaddai. (laughs) Are you joking? No, I'm not kidding. El Shaddai, El Shaddai because my mom had the tape whatever, oh yeah. whatever album that song was on and that was like the hit song from that oh album. yeah and my mom would always play it and uh, I just remember loving it I, I had to be in I was in elementary school and I had no idea what else meant. El I Shaddai... meant
0: By the way, the the album was Age to Age. Oh, Age to Age, you're still the same.
1: (laughs) Age to Age, you're still the same.
0: By the power of your your name. I think it's the next (laughs) lyric. El Shaddai. There's a lot of of Hebrew words. (laughs) (laughs) El Kamkana Adonai. I mean, it was was, was very Hebrew.
1: Yes, I had no idea what it meant, but I, I just remember loving it for some reason. And uh, now I hate it. <laughs> are, you, are you joking? No, i uh, I don't know. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's kind of a lame Christian answer. That's not, I mean, I, I ended up getting into like Nirvana and Pearl Jam. and Sure. Inappropriate bands I should not name <laughs> here, but, you know, West Coast Rap. One, two, three, and to the
0: folks. Oh, yeah, for world. sure. So, Death Row Records. You know? so, <laughs> a little it, different than Amy Grant. A little a, different. Not, little, little, not much different. Little, little known fact, Amy Grant actually signed with Death Row Records <laughs> in 94. <'94. laughs> so, Suge Knight. Yeah, yeah. Her, her, Sh-
1: her unreleased album, uh, El Killa, was, uh, man, I oh, wish no. they had released it. It was pretty amazing. Uh, okay. Uh,
0: okay, so let's... Let- <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So, uh, this past week, uh, we talked about, we actually delved into Exodus 15. Yeah. Um, and you kind of were using this as a jumping off point to talk about music and remembering, um, if you open up your Bible, the whole middle is a whole bunch of songs. Yeah. There now. What's weird about that is I don't think we think of them as songs. We think right. of them as like weird poetry that we can't get into. But really, what it is is like a hymn book. It's yeah, a song it's, book.
1: It's the hymn book of the Bible. Yeah, right. For sure. And
0: so and if it's... you and, and what's interesting though is about how many artists have remade psalms into songs totally and that and that's how a lot sometimes i'll be reading a psalm and i'll be like oh i know this song you yeah know, we sing it at church yeah we sing or, it at yeah. church or a third day had this you, know, yeah, yeah. you <laughs> know that kind of thing um so let's start with exodus 15 because i thought it was kind of interesting uh exodus 15 um happens immediately after the exodus they go through the red sea yeah um and it's a song of celebration but it's more than that yeah um i was thinking about this i just wanted to talk about um Exodus 15, and if, if you're listening, um, I just, ca- I don't know, I just encourage you to just take some time and just read this thing, mm-hmm. um, because it's really a fascinating look at what it means to remember what God's done, memorialize it, mm. but then it's not just about that. First of all, it's the first time the the, the word redeem mm. shows up in Scripture. Wow. And redeem is to, like, to buy a slave's freedom yeah. or to free them, and of course, this is what happened. The Israelites had been in bondage. Yep. In all sorts of different ways, physically, economically, socially, politically, yeah. spiritually. They yeah. had been in bondage. Now they're free. Yeah. It's also the first time the word salvation oh, wow. appears in the scriptures, wow. which means rescue from danger or rescue from an enemy. Yeah. So you've got the idea of buying a slaves freedom plus rescue from danger. Wow. And, and this is a huge picture of what God does for humanity, right? Yeah um it's not the complete picture necessarily but it's a huge part of it right yeah. god rescues us from a from an enemy that we cannot fight yep. and god buys our freedom yeah um uh, like cuz we were in slavery cuz yeah. and, and later on um, jesus and paul would ex- extrapolate this idea that the the thing that we're the this what we're enslaved to is not pharaoh yeah. but sin and death and the powers right and then later on you know of course what we're what we're saved from is the enemy is not a, a political entity, but rather sit the, the power of death and sin.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the story is central. I mean, the parting of the Red Sea and the Israelites crossing on safe land, uh, safely on land, dry land, and then the enemy, um, Pharaoh's armies chasing after them and God bringing the waters down upon them. It's it is the central Old Testament story. Uh, not just because the story itself is so miraculous, but uh, all of the elements of the story point to a much larger um, truth. You know, it's, it's essentially a biblical motif for, like you said, the way God redeems and saves us. Um, we've talked about this before at Westgate, but water and in particular the seas and the ocean uh, is seen by um, the Jewish people who were not a seafaring people. Right. They saw the waters as a, a symbolic symbolism of chaos and disordered creation. Um, and you know, if you go to Genesis 1 and 2, it's why you God see God is hovering the over the waters. Yeah, the yeah. spirit is hovering over the waters, mm-hmm. the chaotic waters. And that's before God puts everything to create in order yeah. and says it's good. So yeah. this is like pre things being good. Right. So the seas splitting in two, God controlling the seas. He's controlling the chaos. And to rescue His and, people yeah, yeah. is this incredible picture of of the power of God. Yeah. The you know the again the biblical motif is like His right arm. They'll yeah. They talk a lot about His right arm, which is a symbol of His strength. His
0: strength is power. His
1: power yeah. over all things, including creation itself. Right. Um, so this is a central story, and like you said. It's a song. Yeah. They don't just say the story. They don't just recite the story or tell the story. They sing the story. And that's really intentional.
0: So it strikes me, I I was going through and I was trying to, you know how songs have movements, you know, I was trying to think how I would divide this song if I were going through. And it looks like the first couple of lines are like the opening statement, you know, this is kind of um, what, what and then there's the first movement, which is what God did. Yeah. And the first movement is like, you know, Um, we were backed up against a wall that, you know, and then what what God did, the enemy said, I'll pursue, I'll overtake. And then God says, you know, um, and and so there's a sense in your right hand, O Lord is majestic in power. Your right hand shatters the enemy. And then the second movement, starting in verse 11, it's not so much what God did is what does this mean about Yahweh, their creator God. Mm, So it's like, um, you have heard um your loving kindness, you have led the people who have you you have redeemed. you stretch out your right hand. Uh, the, uh, your, uh, by, uh, they are, the people are as motionless as stone. it's It's almost like the second part is, um you will bring us and plant us in the mountain of your inheritance, yeah, that you've made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, o Lord, which your hands have established, and you shall reign forever and ever. There's a sense in which the first part's like what he did, and the second part is what it means, yeah. Which is interesting because a lot of biblical um, thought uh, thinkers and commentators have said that for the biblical authors, the stories of the past, um, or this song, is like a template. Yeah, it's a template that will be rehearsed right. by Israel and later on by by all of God's people for the future. And what's interesting about it is in the template is a future hope. Mm. So it's like. By remembering, it helps us not just now, yep. but it gives us hope for the future. Yeah, like how does, why is is that part of also why it's so important to rehearse these songs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We said it in the teaching, but um, remembering is not just a nostalgic stroll down memory lane. Remembering biblically is supposed to fuel our faith so that we can be propelled into the future, an unknown future right? with confidence and with conviction. That's, you know, <clears throat> the Bible isn't math, but if you were to make it a math equation, that's essentially what, what it comes down to. The future is unknown. So it's like an unsolved problem. It's an unsolved equation. But you can solve the equation if you have the pieces in place. Right. And so that's why they sing the song. Um, In essence, it's exactly what you said. Remembering the story of God and what he has done, that's like two. Yeah. Plus, uh, remembering um, that story so that it infuses you with an understanding of who God is, Uh what sort of God he is. Yes. His posture toward us. Yeah. So like you said, what it means, that's another two. Yeah. Then that equals four. Uh Uh-huh often it feels like we look at the the blank space after the equal sign and we're like that's the future it's unknown unknown. how do we how do we traverse the uncertainty but that's why remembering is so important it's as long as we can remember what god has done who he is what it means then we we don't necessarily know what the future holds But we have an answer to the problem of the uncertainty of the future. Right, right. It fuels our faith so that we can move into that uncertainty with confidence, conviction, uh, because this is the sort of God he is. And this is the sort of stuff he does. So if we know that, it doesn't matter how uncertain the future looks. wow. We we stake our, our hope in the God who has done these things. And the God who is this sort of God, yeah, and that allows us to move boldly into the future.
0: It's interesting you use the word hope. I like that so much more than other words that have, I think, in some ways, leaked or lost. Like, um, I just have faith. I have faith, mm, yeah. which is a really weird. It's a very powerful word if you think about it biblically, but like in our current English word, it's very mushy. Yeah, it's like vague hope. Like I cross my fingers. Yeah, yeah. But this it's is wishful n- thinking. thinking. Yeah, wishful thinking. A whistling in the dark, <laughs> yeah, like you yeah. know, you're just oh, like, I hope that the you know, yeah. But what this is, this is remembering what God did, yeah, what it revealed about God as a promise to hold on to, yes, in the into the future. That's right, and that's that feels so much more sturdy and rich,
1: yeah,
0: and real, yeah, than the wishful thinking that I think sometimes, um, I know I've fallen into that trap, just kind of like, well, I, I hope, you know, yeah. as opposed to rehearsing and remembering. How have you seen this help people um, pastorally? Uh, because I think the idea is from this whole sermon series and from the Bible is we forget. Yeah. That we just um, I don't know if it's that life is overwhelming or frightening or scary or just um, hard or difficult yeah. or it's just the way or if there's an active enemy yes. yelling lies at us, disinformation right. that's confusing. Yeah. Um, how have you seen this pastorally help people? This idea of remembering. Even the stuff in Exodus 15 about redemption and salvation, God's posture toward us—how does that help people pastorally?
1: Yeah, well, very practically, it's it's one of the powerful results of regularly worshiping together hmm. in a variety of ways, but in particular uh, in song. You know, hmm. if you you know maybe you're listening to this, and I would assume you're you're very likely a part of Westgate Church, or, or maybe you're not, but you're a part of another local church and the reality is when we get together and we sing um the songs that we sing they're not you know the 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 intent is not to fill time in a worship service the intent is not to um you know give us a a particular sort of release of endorphins although that you know happens Kind of a brain chemistry thing Really, ultimately, what it is, is a visceral, sort of immersive, experiential reminder of what God has done and who he is. And when we sing those songs, I mean, it's the power of music. It's the reason why we teach our kids to sing the ABCs. You know, we were just right. talking about this yesterday. Uh, my son is almost three. He can't spell a word. He can't read yet. You know, Mm -hmm. he's not at that point, but he can sing his ABCs. Right now on one hand, you might say, well, what's the point of singing his ABCs? He can't read. He can't write. It hasn't done any good. But the reality is, you know, the, the alphabet, it's the building blocks for everything else. You know, he's going to be able to read and write Mm -hmm. hopefully someday. And that will come about because he's he's got embedded within him this song, you know, that helps him know Hmm. these letters that become the building block of language and ideas and thoughts and reality and perception and all of these sorts of things. And we sing the song, we sing the ABCs with him almost every day. And... Is this is this is his favorite song. This is his El yeah, Surat." <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ABCs or "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." Yeah, both Same great melody. Yeah,
0: uh, great songs. <laughs> both slap. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so uh, my my mom, his grandma, has also taught him the song "I'm in the Lord's Army," which I have some theological issues with, but that's neither here nor there. He'll he'll march around and you know oh, wanna, whatever. Anyway, so. Uh, That's what's happening to us, I think. When we sing these songs, when we gather together, Mm -hmm. they become the building blocks for faith. Mm -hmm. It may not mean all that much to you in the moment, but um, continuing to sing these songs, um, embedding yourself in the ritual and the habit of being with God's people, singing it yourself, hearing it sung by others. Yeah. You know, these truths, these stories, essentially, that tell us what God's done and who He is. They become the building blocks, you yeah. know, uh, so pragmatically I've often heard people say I I was living life. I ran into a particular situation or circumstance. It felt overwhelming. I felt hopeless. And then I remembered the song or I sang right. this song right. and it reminded me of God's goodness or it reminded me of God's um, yeah. love or his power. Yeah. And it instilled me with so much hope in the midst of the pain and. So, in that way, I think pragmatically, it's so critically important that we continue to sing, uh, not just for the sake of singing, but um, to continue to sing for the sake of remembering, so that we might have you know do you mean
0: singing made. alone in your car? do you mean singing in congregational settings where I can hear both yeah. you, you, oh, you mean both yeah, so both. a private discipline of singing and then the corporate discipline
1: yeah, and I, and I want to make sure i'm i'm not I'm being descriptive here, not prescriptive, so it's not so much that like. If you don't sing out loud in the car on with your worship playlist on Spotify, you're not doing it right. Right, right. I don't really do that. I, I mostly listen when I listen oh, to I music. Yeah, yeah. I don't really necessarily sing along. <clears throat> At church, I do sing along in our services, but often there are long stretches where I don't sing along and I'm listening or I'm praying along. With, yeah. the, with the lyrics of the song, or I'm allowing the room to sort of sing the song over me. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But it's all, all of it is... Participatory. Yeah, yeah, participa- participatory. yeah, it's participatory. Totally. It's all sort of an open-handed, open heart, open mind engagement mm. with the experience. And um, I just think that's so
0: important. So a lot of people don't know this about you, but you're actually not just an author and a pastor and a preacher. But you're also an incredible musician you were in a famous band i would, not, band, a I would not use band. the word
1: incredible
0: i would strong. use the word um otherworldly is that is that a better word yeah if by
1: otherworldly <laughs> we mean like a crappy world with crappy
0: music <laughs> you were in a band that was one of the one of the things you thought you were going to do with your life was being a band yeah. you were in a band called stories in braille, in braille. yeah um, My apologies to the. Uh, so download that. The visual care community. It's <laughs> yeah. not quite,
1: quite sensitive. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you a question. You take music seriously. You always have. You love music. You love what it does. You love what it calls out. Um, and you've also been very particular about the worship setting. Like, for example, the words that we sing matter to you. Yeah. The words of the... not so much the rhythm or the way that the song sounds, perhaps but certainly the words of the lyrics what are some songs um or as you as you think about that what are some songs that have really you think are really great and and what are some things that you've tried to not do with songs like like ah uh maybe I don't like that song or not like it, but I don't think that that's helpful.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: because in the modern, in the modern world, there's lots of different songs out there. Yeah. How how do you think about that? Or cause you've, you've been in charge of crafting that both at vintage and now um, more at Westgate. So talk to me about that, that process. Cause the songs we sing and their lyrics do What you're saying, they matter as we rehearse them. So how do you, how do you think about that? Theologically?
1: Yeah. Well, to your point, I think the songs we sing matter so much because again, Songs are a way of rehearsing or pondering what God's done and who he is. And so we have to be faithful and and true to what God's actually done and who he actually is. So in that way, we have to be mindful of the songs we sing. I mean, really mindful um, to make sure that we're not singing songs that frame a misunderstanding of what God's done or who he is. Um, and I will say, you know, at Westgate, Mark Averill and his team, they do an awesome job of curating. I'm so grateful to Mark and, and yeah. our entire worship team here. Yeah. They they, they really are thoughtful about curating our, our worship sets and the songs that we sing. Really, really thoughtful, knowing that we're essentially putting theology in the hearts and minds of our people. Right. You know, so for me, I you know, it's, it's less about, you know, this one song being... Perfect and this other song being horrific. I mean, there are some bad songs that I think teach bad theology. I think at Westgate we do a good job of staying away from those songs. Sure. Uh, for me, when I think about it, it has more to do with balance. You know, hmm. um, I, th- I think, and again, Mark and his team do a fantastic job of this. I'm always wary of worship sets or churches where all of the songs are in the singular. Like, every song you sing on a Sunday is just about me and I.
0: Me, 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 I. Because that sends a message that the primary thing God's about is me. Yes. And yeah. that's just not true.
1: It's not true. I mean, we say it all the time here. The Christian life is not difficult alone. It's impossible alone. Yeah, right. It right. is, by its very nature, a communal
0: journey. That God's doing something in us yeah, collectively. We're, yeah, yeah
1: we're, we're saved into a family. Right. And um, even the Song of the Sea in Exodus 15, it's extremely communal. Yeah. You know, it's about what God is doing in these big, sweeping ways. Yeah. Not just for one individual, but for his people. His and people is,
0: is repeated multiple
1: times. That's right. Yeah. And um, and that's not to say that we should never sing songs that have me or I. We should, because there is also, uh, you know, as a part of the larger whole, there is also clearly in the Bible God knows every hair on your head. Right, He does care about your individual experience and your individual mm-hmm. story. He knows every detail of your life. Um, so I think that balance is really important, that we sing songs about us, we, the people of God, and what he is up to in us and around us and through us and at the same time to sing songs about me. So in light of that, now what does this mean for me, you know, and Mm -hmm. in my own circumstances, and my own situations? The other thing too, and again, Mark does a fantastic job of this, um, I don't think it's healthy for us to only sing songs about what God has done and what that means for us or for me. I think we also need songs, and we see this too, in exodus 15 where um the song that they sing talks about uh you know god you did these things you stretch out your right arm your unfailing love um in your strength you
0: guide us to your holy
1: dwelling there's a lot of you language about
0: god and his attributes and his holiness yeah that has a lot to do with who god is
1: and i think that that's a important that's an important part of the sort of balanced diet to rehearse God's songs. character yeah, yeah to sing to him about him yeah not just always to sing to him for myself yeah you know yeah
0: so. Well, it, it's hard because um, one of the things that um, Josh Fox and I did before uh, Josh left is we analyzed um, a thousand of the most popular songs in the last 15 years. The top like church song, church songs, yeah. the top CCLI. Yeah. And we looked for patterns of the most um, prominent words that were used and the mm-hmm. most prominent themes. Yeah. And we ran them through like those generators. Yeah. And um, what came out was it was kind of funny, but the song was "God, You're Awesome, Just Like Me." <laughs> so the 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 the, the perfect so worship crazy. song was "God, You're Awesome, Completely Awesome." God, You're Awesome, Just Like Me. So, yeah, and it's it's that's a really weird that's that's bad theology. Yes, um, because it basically is the elevation of the individual, um, or at least co equal with God. Um, it's a projection
1: of Self-me- what me- I've me- done yeah. and who, what that means and who I am yeah. onto God. You know, it, there's that uh, well-known saying I forget who said it, but like one of the greatest human sins and failures is that rather than living as image bearers of God, being made in His image. We make God. We craft God in our image. Yeah, and I think that's what you're getting at. Some of our songs do that
0: in, yeah. in dangerous ways. Yeah, and you see this because it's and, and those are popular songs. Those are the songs that are popular because yeah. it's it's like, hey, God, you give me everything I want. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the the posture of humility, service, obedience that the scriptures frankly demand. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you can't read Exodus 15 and think. Um, if you read Exodus 15, the song of the sea and come away thinking, yeah, I think it's good. A good idea for me to tell God what to do and how to run things. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. There's a sense of humility. We were hopeless. We were lost. There's an enemy. We cannot, we were, we were at, we were at death's door. Yeah. And then, but God, but God heard and intervened and came down into human history. And, and I love this. He, he, he didn't just destroy our enemy. He destroyed him completely. We're safe. Yeah. These, these, this is a whole different sort of rehearsing uh, than "God, You're Awesome, Just Like Me." (laughs) You you know what I mean? (laughs) And I feel like so much in our culture drifts that way toward the toward that. Um, I'm always appreciative about those songs. Yeah, that that. that reflect that, you know. I love
1: that song, um, that we sing at Westgate, This I Believe. Oh, yeah, which is the creed, the creed, the, the Apostles' Creed. In, I believe in God like, the
0: Father. All you know, it's it's, yeah. it's rehearsing, it's a rehearsal of his story yeah. and
1: who he is and what yeah. he's done. Yeah, and not that every song needs to be that, right? But we but need those types yeah. of anchors, yes, in, in our worship. Yeah, that's life. cool. Yeah.
0: Um, what would you say to folks who have a hard time connecting with the song part? They think of it as a transition yeah. or they think of it as the space where they can go get the coffee and not miss the important part, which is the talking part. Yeah. Um, because I think uh, there's a, there probably is, are folks that maybe they don't love music. They, they aren't yeah. musicians. They never were in stories in Braille <laughs> like you. Um, what, what do you say to folks like that who maybe have a hard time? Or maybe they're not that emotional. Like they think they yeah. access God. Mostly, more most yeah more intellectually because yeah. um, not everyone loves music in the same way everyone I think loves music, but yeah. not everyone loves it like to their core yeah. what would you say to to that what advice or or help would you would you say?
1: The first thing I would say is like yeah, if music doesn't move you emotionally mm-hmm. you know move your heart um, that's okay you're not a bad Christian <laughs> you're not like a worse Christian than those who cry and raise their hands that's not you know that's kind of a performative view of worship it's sure like, you know the more you perform these particular acts the more you know holy you are or something and that's not true while at the same time there are biblical uh sort of invitations to raise your hands lift your arms you know to make a loud low, noise make yeah. a loud noise so mm-hmm. can't deny those things mm-hmm. um so i i would say you know if if you're one of those folks who's like, man, I'm just really not moved by music. I Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm more analytical. I'm just more, I'm considering and pondering the lyrics. That's perfectly okay, Mm -hmm. but do that. There are multiple ways to engage. You Mm -hmm. don't have to sing out loud Mm -hmm. at the top of your lungs. You don't have to cry. In fact, it's dangerous if you sort of force yourself into those sorts of, you know, fake um, expressions. Mm -hmm. I I think you have to be you. But engage, engage yeah. in whatever way possible. And I would encourage be open. You know, sometimes the invitation to uh, like whole bodied participation is not an invitation to feel our way toward action, but to act our way toward feeling. Hmm. You know, often there is a way in which we can um, participate bodily in particular acts. And the participation leads us mm. to a deep, rich, emotive experience. Yeah. Often we think that uh, I will only act if I emotively feel motivated to act. And I think that that's backwards. I mean, I think that's very cultural, you know? A follow It's the follow your heart sort of philosophy. Yeah. And if my heart doesn't take me there, then I won't do it. But the reality is if I followed my heart, I would just eat onion rings every day, um, but it's in acting appropriately that I achieve health, and the more I do that, the more my appetite changes. I, hmm. If I begin to exercise and run, it's like, you know, my appetite for onion rings, it doesn't go away. still love onion rings, but it doesn't seem as appetizing. You know, often I'd, I'd prefer a sandwich mm-hmm. or a salad mm-hmm. or something, you know, and um, so that's that's how I would encourage you. Don't feel like you're a bad Christian or you're, like a, you're a worse Christian because you mm-hmm. don't feel all these things. And at the same time, don't disregard it completely. Just act your way toward it. Participate mm-hmm. and see what the Spirit of God does in you. Yeah.
0: One of the things I was thinking about at this sermon that made me think about it was the power of music. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, there... You know, it's existed since the beginning of human culture. Yeah. And there's something about music that God has given us yeah. as a gift. The harmonics, the math of it, the, yeah. the power, the emotion of it, the way it can carry thoughts, feelings, emotions, the way it can take us back. Um, yeah. There's, I mean, everyone has that song that, that reminds them of that time. But even more powerfully, I, I, I was thinking about the power of it to heal and to remember. Mm-hmm. It, from a spiritual standpoint, I remember, and I wrote about this, um, in the book for the fall, in yeah. the Abraham book, um, there's this moment when um, when I was in a young adults group in my early 20s, um, there's a guy in our group, Daniel, who got cancer, mm. and it was bad. And we prayed and prayed and prayed and sang, and um, it didn't get better. Mm. And the cancer began to spread aggressively, and it became clear that, he was, that the cancer was going to win. And I remember going into his antiseptic hospital room, um, this this blank hospital room, and he's there, and I'm, he's dying. I mean, yeah. he's got days. And he loved music, and I remember the group of us, we just started singing songs around him. Mm. And he said, "Sing me home." Yeah. And then at his funeral, which was the one of the the craziest things there were so many people he had recorded a video of himself months earlier when he was healthy and he led us in worship mm. at his own funeral oh man and we sang songs yeah and he said you sang me home oh man and for me the deepest part of him was these songs and what they did and what they reminded him of of his savior of the work of jesus of his security that death will not win and i that's i think when i became keenly aware of the power of these songs to carry the deepest parts of us our theology our hopes our dreams our emotions and that that to me this sermon series reminds me exodus 15 looks like a thing on a page but it's not it's like the deepest part of the human experience yeah that god sees he redeems and he saves he yeah. rescues and for me, that it was just such a, a powerful reminder. I don't need that right now. There's, no, I don't need that reminder right now because there's, there's not death around me right now. But there will be soon. Yeah. In some, in some way, uh, tonight there's a vigil. Yeah. There's a vigil for the shooting at the, at the at, for the San Jose light rail employees. Yeah. Um, the, the, we're gonna practice and rehearse that there, yeah. you know, for the victims' families and for the suffering and, and for our hope for our city that violence won't win. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, this is what we do yeah. as people. And it was a powerful reminder that this is, like, real. Yeah. You know, that this is, this is not just helpful, but one of the truest things that we can do as humans.
1: Yeah. Man, that's really powerful. I've had similar experiences, you know, of um, singing someone home. And it is, it is a powerful, powerful reminder. You know, it's, it's interesting because singing, particularly in those moments that feel like such thin places when mm. someone you love is literally sort of tiptoeing the borders of eternity, um, you realize as you sing in those moments there's not a single word I could speak yeah. that could do for us right now what is happening by the Spirit of God as we sing.
0: Yeah, I don't know how to describe that. Yeah. It, it's 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 a mystery. It's yeah. it's beautiful. It's a gift. Well, you think about the
1: vision of heaven. Yeah, you know, the new heavens and the new earth. There are no sermons there, but there is singing. Yeah. You know, that singing is an eternal thing. Singing as an act is almost a thin space in and of itself. Hmm. It it blurs the lines between now and forever. Right. You know, and right. that's a powerful thing.
0: Yeah. Well, Jay, thanks for this. Um, I mean, I just, it was just a it was really helpful for me to be reminded. I forget so easily. And so just being reminded about how important it is to be reminded. Yeah. <laughs> So I super appreciate it. So thanks for taking time, and we'll see you next week. Just want to say thanks again to Jay for stopping by. Join us next week where, as a church, we celebrate 20 years of of God's favor and faithfulness through Steve and Dana Clifford. Steve and Dana are celebrating 20 years of ministry at Westgate Church, and I get a chance to sit down with Steve and go through some of the things he's learned over the past 20 years. It's a fantastic and fun conversation, so we'll see you next week. Dave, what's up, man? Hey, listen, I know you're an Anthem student, right? Yeah, you're probably in the middle of a songwriting session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you don't need to be anymore. I have it figured out. Dave, Dave, you're not a songwriter, dude. I'm not a songwriter. I don't, I don't have any of that. But here's what I do have. I have an algorithm I have created to help write the perfect Christian worship song. Oh, boy. I took every single popular Christian worship song in the last 20 years, fed it through the algorithm, analyzed diction, nice. syntax, tone, theme, metaphor, all of it, and then I spit it all out to get the perfect Christian worship song, and here it is. Behold! First of all, this is this is not the point. Oh my, Dave. There's four chords. Exactly, only four chords. You don't have to worry about complex musicality uh, or artistry. What else? What? Else? Uh, well, tons of biblical metaphors. Biblical metaphors, Dave. There's like lions, oceans, fire. That's all you need. That's all you need. It's also, if you'll like, notice, it's like third grade reading. Exactly, it's at a third grade reading level. In fact, when they spit it out, there was an emoji in the lyric sheet, so we had to this we had to change that. So no, again, no. it's sixth rate music set to seventh rate poetry. It will be a smash all right, hit. All right, fine. Give it a go. Just give it a go. I can't believe this. God, you are awesome. You're so awesome. God, you're awesome, just like me. You make me better than I already am. You lift me up, but I've always been pretty great. You're yes and amen. That is my life's theme, because you endorse. Everything I want and everything I dream Because you're awesome and I am awesome too The glory goes to me And also some to you Lions, oceans, and fire Fire, oceans, and lions Hit song. Oh boy. Do not listen to anything he just said.
1: I feel like crying.